stories of walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Welcome back to the PCOM Podcast. I'm Pastor Courtney Ellis. Really excited today to be here talking with John Mooney, PCOM member, Sunday school teacher extraordinaire, and a man with the gift of evangelism, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So John, thank you for being here. Glad to be here, and thank you for asking me. It's my, my pleasure and my honor. What do you like to do for fun? It can be spiritual. It can be not spiritual. Daryl talked about gardening. Jackson talked about mountain biking. What do you love to do? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is I really enjoy growing roses. I've done so for many years. I'm not the best at it. I have as many die and do poorly as do great, but I never give up. So what kind of roses? I try to get every color and every variety. So currently I probably have about 20 or 22 bushes, and I actually look upon them as my children because my wife and I don't have any children together. Um, we have grandchildren, and so these these little rose bushes um, are like family, and I work on them almost every day. Do you have a favorite? I know you would never have a favorite child, but no. do you have a favorite rose bush? I like anything that's red or burgundy the best, so it's color. But I like yellow a lot, too, and pink, and um, my wife has almost no interest in them, so it's really just me, uh, but it's been something that's kept me busy for a, a long time. I also love to walk. I walk seven days a week, and um, um, I've done it for many, many years, and I think it's really um, beneficial for anyone. Uh, I also like to cook, so I was really a catch from my wife. Um, we're not long-term married people, and uh, she, was, um, she would tell you that she's blessed in finding someone who likes to shop for the food, plan the meals, and cook the meals. She uh, married very well. She well, she does. She does about <laughs> half, um, but we both enjoy it. Yeah. So those are three of the things, non-church-like that I enjoy. But if someone outside were to ask me what I enjoy the most in my life, it's serving the Lord. Better than roses, better than cooking, and better than walking. Hmm. That's that's a good word, John. I want to see the roses sometime. You ever bring them? Bring some of them in here. Show I, and tell? I haven't, but I could. Yeah, yeah. I want to see them. I, I will. I admire the green mm -hmm. thumb. I'm trying to keep a, a house cactus alive, and it's not looking good so far. So I, yeah. <laughs> the Lord's not done with me yet. Right. It's not easy. <laughs> so, John, you have a passion for evangelism, for telling folks about Jesus. When did this passion begin for you? Because you, you've shared with me a little bit that you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Is that right? No, actually, I did. You did. I, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, very strong Christian home. My mother graduated from the same college you did, and she was a Bible graduate. I remember this. And uh, she read me the whole Bible before I was five years old, she told me. Um, and she was a wonderful mother, had great parents. Um, and at probably about age 15, I decided I was too cool and too popular to remain with the church crowd. And it was the worst decision I ever made in my life. The worst decision I ever made in my life, I made at age 15. Wow. Uh, as do quite a few other people. And so I strayed away from the Lord and from church. Stray is not even the right word. I turned away from the Lord and from church for about 25 years. And at age 41, um, after having already gone through a couple marriages 
and uh, a lot of problems and a lot of addictions. I surrendered to my life to the Lord at Saddleback Church. On the Sunday afternoon, I gave him everything I had left. And since that day was October of 1988, I truly have never turned back. I've given him everything I had left. At that time, I didn't know that I'd had 30 years left, but um, I'm thankful that I did, and I only wish that I had never parted ways with my Savior. Mm. So that sounds like that Saddleback Day was really formative in your own love for evangelism. What was it that brought you back, and what is it that's given you this passion to share this message with so many people? Probably a lot of that was my mother. My mother was truly an evangelist. She never talked to a stranger um, except in talking to him about Jesus. And she also was a tract giver. She would go door to door. She just had a passion in her life right to her dying day to share Christ with anyone. And when I was not walking with the Lord, I was embarrassed of her fervor for Christ. Mm -hmm. But after I came back to the Lord, I was proud of her fervor for Christ and her fire. And I tried to copy her. And shortly before she, she died at age 87, I showed her a stack of, of tracks in my car, and I said, Mom, you have a replacement. This was many years ago. I said, I, I know that you don't have a lot of time left, but as best I can for the rest of my life, I'm going to try to follow in your footsteps. And she looked at my stack of tracks, and she said, those aren't the tracks I would give out. And I said, I know, but these are the tracks that I like. And so really, that was, she was my, she was my um, role model, my mentor, and someone I just wanted to copy. Mm-hmm. She also taught Sunday school at a little church called the Evangelical Free Church in Fullerton. Uh, fourth grade, same grade for 30 years. Wow. So in turn, she really gave me um, the impetus when I came back to the Lord to start teaching children in church. Mm-hmm. When I had no qualifications, no training, uh, just a heart for kids and a heart to see kids saved. And I haven't stopped since. Yeah. I've only been teaching at this church for going on five years, so I won't have a chance to hit 30, <clears throat> I don't think. But, uh, in fact, I know I won't. But uh, it's the, uh, the blessing of my life has been teaching children here at about the same grade my mom taught. Mm-hmm. Most of my kids the first few years here were fourth graders. Um, and she told me, Uh, many times that she felt the best age to reach a child for Christ was fourth grade. Hmm. And she had a lot of reasons for it. But uh, age 10, 9, 10, 11 is when an awful lot of kids become Christians. Hmm. And uh, last year in uh, the class we had, we had 28 salvations. Hmm. 28 um, children got certificates from this church as experiencing a new birth, having raised their hands to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in our little Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. And yes, I keep track because I want to see every one of them in heaven. And I understand that that's part of your your teaching philosophy is you offer that opportunity for a decision every class, right? Every class here with the children, but also you're leading a Bible study at sunrise. So the other end of the age spectrum, the retirees across the street from the church and the same thing there. And 
Tell me about that, because we do have a lot of kids who are regulars. They come every single week, but we have some kids who may come to our Sunday school one time, mm -hmm. right? You mm -hmm. see them one time, mm -hmm. and you really take that verse about making the most of every opportunity. Mm -hmm. Take it really really deeply, really seriously. I'd probably say of the 27 or 28 kids that, that received Christ last year in the class, probably a third of them we only saw one time. Yeah, They were visitors, and sadly, they never came back. But they did receive the literature and a little certificate, and I believe once saved, always saved. But it's important to, to, to teach the gospel or preach it to the kids every week because the class changes every single week. Yeah. Uh, the makeup, the children, whatever. And almost every week there'll be a child I'll never see again, which yeah. is sad, but it's true. Um, and it's the same thing across the street at uh, Sunrise where um, Pastor Darrell gave me the privilege, the blessing, to um, start a Bible study there, Bible club, there back in February, so it's now eight months, every week, Wednesdays from 10 to 11, I came here from there, and we had about six or seven people today, including two Jewish people um, who told me they weren't Christians, um, and one actually stayed till the end of the class, so he got to hear the gospel, mm. and um, um, it's just as much fun working with them and teaching them as it is the children. Yeah. And I use the same props and the same stories and the same lines. The only thing that changes is the songs. Hmm. We sing old hymns. Yeah. Um, and that's not what I use primarily with the kids. But the stories, the Bible, the gospel invitation, um, it's all the same. Yeah. And I don't know how many seniors that we've had receive Christ because I don't have them raise their hands like I do with the children. I don't want to embarrass them at all. But I'm pretty sure that we've had some new believers across the street, hmm. and we've already had people, more than one, come to the class and have died since, mm -hmm. so that maybe I was the last person that ever told them uh, how to get to heaven. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I don't know for sure if they're going to be there. All I can do is hope. Yeah. But um, the group that we have across the street is transient. Right. Yeah. No, it's really true. We see... We see kids pop in and out of Sunday school for various reasons. Sometimes they're visiting us from out of town, or they try a church and then go to a different church. Uh, but across the street, it's it really is life and death. It's 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 the end of the road for for many over there. And that opportunity to hear this message of hope is is such a it's such a beautiful thing. It's 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 awesome. So you do Wednesdays and you do Sundays. Correct. But I also do the same service uh, at Sunrise. I've done at two other nursing homes for many years. So for going on 20 years, I've served at Freedom Village in El Toro and also at um, Palm Terrace Nursing Home in Laguna Hills. So Sunrise is my newest um, service, but that is something that God uh, allowed me to do, called me to do many years ago in the early 90s. Hmm. And uh, I found a real close similarity between my presentation or what I'm cut out to do to both children and elderly. Yeah. Um, I, I would never want to try to teach normal people <laughs> <laughs> because I'm really not a trained pastor or speaker by any means. But where I can read a story, sing songs, and just relate, yeah. um, I'm pretty good at it. 
Yeah. Well, that, I mean, so, that sounds like what Jesus did, right? Like Jesus yeah. was this master storyteller. And yeah. I think sometimes we, we forget that at its heart, the gospel is just this really enticing, beautiful, true story. Mm. And that that's what connects with people. Mm. And you can work all day on a sermon with three solid points of whatever, but if the story's missing, you're going to lose your audience. And that's, right. Right. it's so important. And our, our oldest son has been in your class now for a few months and loves it. Um, tell me a little bit about what goes into your teaching philosophy because he comes out of there talking about props and songs he comes out of there with candy he comes out of there with toys and he is just he's jazzed about it but all of those external things wouldn't work if the heart wasn't there right like what's the heart of your class when you think about teaching a class what do you think about well I would never tell the children this so if any any of your children are listening to this story right now send them out of the room <laughs> um, I teach from the philosophy that as a child, I hated Sunday school. Hmm. I used to ditch it on a regular basis as young as third grade. Yeah. Why did um, you hate it? it? It was boring. Yeah. It was boring. No one knew my name. Um, I went to a big church at the time, very big church. And what was interesting part, they never knew I wasn't there. Uh, it was so big. Uh, but anyway, I, I didn't care for it. And so for a number of years, I ditched and then just stopped going entirely. Yeah. So when I felt God's call, and I did, um, to teach Sunday school, I felt it was really ironic that he would pick me because I missed more Sunday school than I went to, than I attended. So this is a story I don't ever bring up in the class. Okay. Um, but it made me want to do way more as a teacher, as a Sunday school teacher, than probably any normal teacher would do because of my background. Hmm. I actually dreaded going to church or to yeah. Sunday school. So I wanted from day one to make Sunday school as fun, if we can use that word in regards to Sunday school, as fun, as compelling, as entertaining uh, as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And God kept giving me, starting in October of 88, started giving me idea after idea after idea. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I got from a training session, or to be honest, or a book, he just put it into my head. Yeah. And I would tell my wife, I said, I got another idea for, for Sunday school this week. Where'd you get that? I got it on the freeway. Um, I got it in bumper to bumper, you know, uh, congestion. <laughs> and so over the years, I've layered, started out with a small idea, kept that, went to another one, kept that, yeah. and so forth. Almost didn't drop hardly any. Yeah. So I almost never have enough time, you know, for the class. Um, I keep the kids until the parents come and drag them out. They know that. <laughs> yep. uh, so they have to take them out, you know, by their collar. But from when they get there to when they leave, they're never um, a dull moment. Yeah. You kind of have to be there to, to see what I'm talking about. But everything is probably done in increments or blocks of about five minutes. Right. Which is both my attention span <laughs> and theirs. Yeah. And, um, and we, we serve candy we serve food, we serve drink, we change the snacks every week so it's not graham crackers and water for mm -hmm. five years. Um, it's, it's something different. Get some ideas from that from Vacation Bible School. Yeah. And we really put everything that we have into it, everything. Don't leave, as the sports people say, we don't leave anything on the field. Yeah. We bring it all. 
And kids sense that, right? Like there's a, I think it was the founder of Young Life said that it's a sin to bore a child with the gospel because the gospel's not boring. And if it's boring, we're doing something wrong. And it sounds like your experience in being bored served as like fuel for the fire. Like I know what didn't work. It did. It did. I I really believe that God had a tremendous sense of humor (laughs) when he picked me to be a Sunday school teacher because I would be the last person that any um, children's pastor would pick if they knew my background. Now, my background doesn't include anything bad, uh, but it does include what, just what I told you, someone that didn't want to go to church yeah. and didn't, certainly didn't want to go to Sunday school. And uh, I can usually spot a child, boy or girl, within two or three minutes when they come in the class and I don't know them, whether they want to be there or not. Yeah. And uh, not all want to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my goal is that child. Mm-hmm. My goal is to find someone like me, and it's not hard to find. Pretty much in every class, every year, for all the time I've done it, I've found more than one boy and girl that were just like me, Mm. wanted to be anywhere on earth but in that Sunday school class Mm. last Sunday. Does it make you wonder what awesome plan God has for that child? Because look at your ministry, you know, like they they are dragging their heels, but that means that maybe... God's got something I think, special I right think there. the Lord laughs at my class. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. He knows my heart. He knows I want to see children saved. But he certainly knows how I was when I was in third grade. And uh, I was the worst kid a, a child could, a teacher could have in their class because mm. I truly didn't want to be there. So those are the kids that I, that I usually sometimes do the best with because I don't give them a hard time. I don't have them recite, you know, the Lord's Prayer the first Sunday they're there. Yeah. or anything like that. I show them the prizes that we have over for our game because we do a game every week with cheap prizes, yeah. but they don't know how cheap they are. And um, we have something for them to eat, something for them to drink. We have something for them to take home. Mm-hmm. And then probably the, the most important thing I do, and actually the thing I enjoy most, for many, many years, I have sent thousands and thousands of postcards to children from our Sunday school class. My mother did that when she was a teacher. Mm. I copied her. Yeah. So every child who ever comes to our class at any church I've taught in, on the Sunday they come, they get a handwritten note from Mr. Mooney. Mm-hmm. Now, some I know probably go directly into the trash can, but I've had other kids tell me they saved every card for the two years they were in the class. Yeah. And that's what made me keep going. Yeah. But every week that Lincoln comes to the class, um, he gets a different not the same, mm-hmm. a different postcard. And all are Christian. Um, I've collected them for over the, all the years that I've been doing this, so I have quite a, quite a group. But to write them a personal note and to let them know that I know their name. Yeah. That I know their name. Yeah. And that, that also helps that me to remember their name. Yeah, Because that's every smart. time I write them, yeah. their name is into my brain. That's really smart. And then lastly, on that subject of names, on my, de- on my desk, I have every child who's come to our class this year their name is on my desk on a big card, and I pray for them almost every day by name. Yeah. So that when a kid comes to the class that I haven't seen maybe in two months or three months, which happens regularly, when they walk in the door, I'll say, Courtney, good to see you. Mm-hmm. And I'll get a look on that kid's face like, I've only been here once. How does that guy know my name? Yeah. Well, it's because A, I sent him a card, sent her a card, mm-hmm. and B, I started praying for you. Yeah. Praying that you'd come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it all pretty much works. Oh, that's so cool. Cards are my favorite. <laughs> Our three-and-a-half-year-old uh, tries to sneak in now when we go to pick up Lincoln. He thinks then that's his turn to come to your class. You know, he's ready. Mm -hmm. He uh, Lincoln was sitting him down the other day, and he was like, you know, someday you're going to get to be in Mr. Mooney's class, and you're going to love it. And Wilson, just lighten up, you know, like so. your, your reputation precedes you, sir. I hope so. Yeah. He's three-and-a-half. And I just turned 72. Yeah. So I would need to be able to teach till I was 75 and a half, which may be God's will and maybe not. But um, we knew how Lincoln was a, just a tiny little guy when we started teaching at this church. Yeah. And my wife met him. And she said to me, this was a few years ago, she says, I hope we can teach long enough to have Lincoln in the class. He's such a cute little guy. <laughs> well, he loves you guys. That was Mrs. Mooney. And I think that's part of the question, too, is you have such a gift for this, and in a way it's your mom's legacy you're passing on, and how do we put you in situations where you can train other teachers, too, so that this legacy continues after you retire mm -hmm. uh, from, your, from your teaching? And I think that's one of the things we're working on as a church is how to tap into these deep wells of wisdom because we want this, we want this legacy to carry on a PECOM for the next 70 years. Right. Because um, it's, well, I'd be, it's I powerful. Would welcome, I would welcome any any uh, person to come and visit the class. Uh, I have never, at least not for a long time, I don't think I've trained anybody, but I'm certainly open to that yeah. or, or having visitors come. We've had a number of parents come, um, I think, just to see what's going on, which made me feel good. Yeah. Um, so over the past few years here at this church, I've had a number of parents sit through the class. Uh, none of them came back. But uh, <laughs> that means you're doing a good job. If they come every week, that means they're suspicious. But they, they came and, and saw what we did, yeah. which is certainly open to anyone who wants to come. And, um, and I would love to, to train other people. Yeah, we got to get you in a master class so we can. Right, because I, I'm, I'm going to run out eventually. Yeah. Uh, just like everyone does. So I would love to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more yeah. off the air about that. Um, so. What is it that you enjoy most about working with kids? What do you look forward to the most? I think their humor. I think um, I love to laugh. Uh, I think we have a lot of opportunities in our class to laugh, both at me and with me. <laughs> and uh, children have, there was a, there was a TV, TV program on when I was a kid called Children Say the Darndest Things. And it was with Art Linkletter. This was back in the 50s. And he would ask the children silly questions, and they would give silly answers. And that would be a half-hour program that was fantastic. And I do some of that in our class. We do something called Student of the Week each week. It's my favorite part of the class. where We bring up a child uh, that they volunteer to come up, and I ask them very non-serious questions. Like, if you could be any kind of animal, fish, or bird for just one day, what would you be? And boy, some of them really have to think about it. But it's, it's a way to lighten up the class mm. and also to get to know them, and the children seem to enjoy it. Yeah. And, uh, and there's kids every year in the class that are future comics, I think. Totally. And I give them that opportunity. Yeah. If they want to be a wiseacre and, and, and make us laugh, I'm not against it. Yeah. And so I've had some children over the years um, say some pretty funny things, mm. and I'll have them repeat it. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I had a boy for two years named Mark Stewart, one of my favorites that I've had here in this group. He was there every Sunday. And we do a lot of games that involve raising hands and answering questions. So I'm asking questions one day, and there was a number of kids in the class. He was on my far right, and I wasn't calling on him as, as often as I should for this game, which did involve prizes. And at one point during the game, 
he yells out pretty loud to me, can you look over here? What am I, chopped liver? <laughs> and I thought, how does a nine or eight-year-old kid know that expression? Right, yeah. What am I, chopped liver? It's an old soul. Right. And I asked his mom, how did you learn that? And he, she, yeah. she knew how he learned it. Yeah. And if you give kids a chance, they can be pretty funny. Yeah. It's true. It's so and true. And I, I always feel like children's ministry is a bit of working without a net. You know, mm-hmm. when I do the children's message up front and I ask a question, I have no idea what's going to come out of anyone's mouth. There was right. a girl once who raised her hand and then kind of looked over at her mom for permission. And her mom knew what she was going to say. And she goes, no, go ahead. And the girl goes, one time I ate a penny. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm back to the Beatitudes, you know, oh, like it's, it's so fun. That's good. It's so fun. I think it makes a lot of sense why... Uh, why Jesus welcomed children. There's just a, there's an honesty and an integrity there that often adults aren't willing to go there. They, mm-hmm. they have a facade up that kids just don't have, for better or for worse, right? Right. Well, they don't have filters Yeah. quite often. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm lacking that too, but especially with the kids, I do have a filter. And you know but where you stand with them. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've had a kid stand up, I've had more than one kid over the years stand up and say, I am really bored. <laughs> And um, um, a few weeks ago, we had a kid run out of the class. Yeah. Said something like, I can't take it, and he ran out of the class. Yeah. Um, that wasn't good. Right. But, and somebody had to go catch him. Right. But, uh, so this isn't like an adult Bible study BSF. Right. You have to keep their attention. Yeah. And try to keep them pacified. Yeah. As best you can. I used to compare the job when Engaged. I had a bigger class. I used to compare myself to Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah. And I was Daniel. And I was scared. And I was scared because I was I was surrounded by uh, lions and tigers and bears, and I was doing the best I could to keep them down on the farm. Uh, But today it really isn't that hard. And the kids at this church, uh, I'm not saying this for anyone's edification, but I will. The kids at this church, for the most part, have really been the best behaved and most polite. And my wife would say this too, of any church that I've taught in, Mm. and I've taught in a few churches. Uh, so they're, the kid, the parents are doing a really good job of raising well-behaved children. We've never had to expel a child. We had a child expel themselves, <laughs> but <laughs> expel himself. But we've never had we've never had to call Stephanie, yeah, or Kristen, yeah. So the kids have really, um, for four and a half years, been pretty good. Great and we're, kids, and great I'm thankful parents. for that. Yeah. Well, it helps that you set the table and you set the tone, you know, so they know they're in for something exciting. And I think it's easier to behave when you know something good is up ahead. Yeah. This is not a math test. More candy. Totally. Totally. Um, So since you have all of this wonderful experience teaching Sunday school and all all these years of legacy, sometimes we get folks who come to the church and say, well, I might be interested in teaching but I don't know where to start, or I'm kind of nervous, or um, I don't know everything about the Bible. What would you say to that person? Really good question. I didn't start out as a lead teacher. Um, so for a year at the first church I taught in, Sunday school, I was assistant to a wonderful lady who had taught for years. And um, uh, that was really, really helpful. It was a first grade class. My daughter was in it. And this lady, Sandy Breakbush, um, a long time ago. She took me under her wing, and I got to see how she did everything, every Sunday. And then after that, a few years later, I became a, a lead teacher. So um, first you had to feel the calling, mm-hmm. desire to help. I did that because my daughter 
was in the class and I wanted to be in the class with her. That's the reason a lot of teachers start, is they want to be with their child. And that was a good reason for me. But I also got to learn under someone else and not just be thrown into the, here's, a, here's the manual, you know, right. we'll see you Sunday. Uh, so that was really helpful for me. Because yeah. I remember some of the things to this day that she did with the kids, like Goliath, for example. I still use her Goliath. She got a long, like 10 feet, uh, 10 feet long piece of butcher paper, mm. and she uh, taped it to a wall, and it went from the ceiling to the floor. And then she had the kids draw a Goliath with ladders and step ladders and what have you. And they did a fantastic job. It took half the class. Mm. And uh, to this day, I still use the butcher paper and have the kids draw. I put it on the floor. It's a little easier than getting a ladder. Um, But so being an apprentice has a lot of meaning. Absolutely. I think we all need to apprentice. And to watch it, not just read about it, but to see these live mm-hmm. situations right. of, ooh, this kid's acting up. How is she going to yeah. handle that? Or this right. kid has a question. Right. I, One of the reasons I'm here as an associate pastor, I was a solo pastor in Wisconsin before I came here, and I just realized I had so much more to learn, and I'd read every book I could get my hands on, but I needed to see someone do it. So when I sit in a session meeting and Jackson is you know, managing a conflict or talking through a staff issue or, or whatever it may be, it's so great to learn by participating and watching rather than reading. Mm. Um, and I love, I love the apprenticeship. It's, it's such a gift. Yeah. Help so, me. Yeah. Really did. Yeah. Um, every church that I've taught in, there's been a terrible shortage the last few years of Sunday school teachers or Why volunteers. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. Uh, but I've asked some of the children's pastors what they thought, and they always seem to come up with that word commitment. Yeah. That people these days, unfortunately, um, a lot of people, don't want to make a commitment. They're okay for next week, but not for the year. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the, I think, the hardest part is to get people to commit. Um, I didn't have that problem. I was, I'd been away from the Lord so long that I wanted to commit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I wanted to, right. to make a commitment that in turn I would keep. Yeah. And so, so that wasn't a problem. That I, but I can understand that, you know, people have two jobs these days, both the mom and dad work, and and uh, they'd like to turn the Sunday school teaching over to somebody else. Yeah. But eventually you run out of the somebody else's. Right. And someone needs to teach. Right. And uh, um, uh, Stephen, Steve Green had a song once that really touched my heart, and the name of the title of the song was, Will Those Who Come Behind Us Find Us Faithful? Yeah. Will Those Who Come Behind Us find us faithful. And I heard that when I first started teaching. It took me a while to figure out what it meant. I wasn't that mm. smart. But now I know what it means. Yeah. And, um, and I want those who come behind me to have found me to be faithful yeah. to the church, to the children, but most of all to Christ, to yeah. Jesus Christ, to keeping him first in my life. That's such a good word. And as what long will as we do with the time that we have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of us, it's what time do we have left? Because we don't know how much time that is. Mm-hmm. It may be less for me than for you. We don't know. It's, it's what will you do with that time? And I love the level of commitment that you and Kathy both, uh, we should definitely mention that, that Kathy teaches alongside you, your wife, Kathy, and, and couldn't do it without her. Helps wrangle all the cats. Yeah. In, and in I wish she was class. here today. I wish she was here today to, to, uh, to join in with me. We she got lots of podcasts to record. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit her up later. She, she doesn't actually teach only at her behest. Only yeah. at her request. She doesn't like to be up front and she doesn't 
um, want the verbal part. So we're really a perfect fit. Yeah. She, uh, She's the sous chef. Right. She yeah. handles the food. She serves them the food, when, the snacks that we have, and the drinks, refills the cups. She's the costumer. She puts the costumes, the wigs, the props together, and we have all those every week. Um, she helps me clean up, set up, so I would, I would be in a world of hurt without her. I wouldn't want to do it without her. Yeah. And I should have mentioned that team. right to begin with, but um, um, teaching is not her yeah, Main idea. but you can't be a great teacher unless you have a great support network. Correct. That's a big that's a big piece of it. And I think one of the things that makes your Sunday school class so unique, besides this wonderful partnership that you and Kathy have, because you work together in every area of your life, so you have this great synergy, is the fact that you teach almost every Sunday. And many of our teachers, due to other commitments or work schedules, teach once a month or twice a month or three times a month. But you are the teachers for that class. And so kids know when they walk to that classroom who will be waiting for them, who will be meeting them. And what to expect and the difference that makes. I mean, we see that age group really booming in part because there's that consistency of commitment and that consistency of care. Mm -hmm. What difference does that make for a kid? Well, I think it, I think it makes a, a big difference, but I do understand that not every volunteer can do every week. I'm retired, fully yeah. retired, so is my wife, and we have been for several years. So um, I, don't have to, I don't have another boss to report to. Right. And so, so I can be here every Sunday, and Sunday's my day of work. Mm -hmm. The other six days are preparation and, and rest and some of the other volunteer opportunities. That's a really but good Sunday is my day of work, yeah. just like it is for you. Yeah, and they make I, me work Sundays here. Can right. you believe it? And I look forward to Sundays. It's my favorite day of the week because yeah. I get to teach kids in Sunday school. But yeah, I think it's really good to be there, and we have taught every week, every Sunday for a number of years. Um, and I think it helps the class grow and maintain the number. Um, I'm, I'm not into big numbers, but I'd rather teach 15 kids than two, yeah. and I've done both. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a, a dynamics to having more kids in a class, and it works better, yeah. and the kids like it better. Mm -hmm. They like it better when there's more of them, mm -hmm. not less of them, and yeah. I've seen it happen. There's certain games you can't play with three right. kids that but you they can just play enjoy, with 20. They enjoy kids like being with a, a larger group of kids, yeah. and uh, it doesn't have to be 100. But, and I felt the best way to grow a class is to evangelize. Mm -hmm. um, when, kids, when kids receive Christ and they know they become a Christ, Christian, they become more, and I've seen it over and over again for many years, they become more regular in their attendance. Um, I've seen kids drag their parents to church, yeah. even here, yeah. even recently, at least they yeah. told me that. And so once they've, once they've caught the fire, once they've got the Holy Spirit in them, um, their life changes. And that's my growth policy. Hmm. My growth policy is to see kids come to the Lord, and pretty soon they're bringing friends, yeah. relatives. I have that as well. And it's Jesus working. Yeah. It ain't me. Yeah. It's Jesus working. Yeah. And um, our average class the first year, this is the only thing I'll say on numbers, our average class the first year was five, hmm. five a week. Second year was about seven or eight. And this last year the average class was about 20 average yeah so um definitely having the same teacher every week or the same teachers my wife and i but also that emphasis on reaching kids for christ yeah um makes 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 for more people right more kids so that's my whole story i love it i love it and i i appreciate the perspective of 
Sunday is now your work day. And there's a gift that retirement has to offer people, which is what is your ministry in this season? And what is God calling you to in this season? And maybe for parents who are working five days a week, they need they need the retiree to teach the class, right. but they can be a hall monitor right. once a month or something right. like that to support the program. And I think that's important. Um, what is one hope you have for, for PCOM going forward? What would you love to see God do here? Um. Well, I would like to see more people come to the Lord. Yeah. So I would love it if the gospel was preached as much in the, from the pulpit mm. as I do it in my little Sunday school class. Yeah. Because I know that the, uh, the number one growth policy for my Sunday school class has been leading children to Christ. Yeah. So I believe the number one growth policy for any Christian church is leading the congregation to Christ because they'll have um, more fervor mm. and, and they'll bring friends because I want their friends to know Christ, yeah. and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that people don't come to the Lord at this church. I know they do. Mm. But they don't come in the same way that I teach it in my Sunday school mm-hmm. class. Um, I say, kids, do you want to know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? And you want to know how to get to heaven? Mm. That's the same thing I say to the adults across the street. Yeah. And the adults across the street who are much closer to heaven than the children, have the same interest and vice versa as the children do. Hmm. The children want to know what's in it for them. Jesus is good. What's in it for me? Right. And so I tell them what's in Mm -hmm. it for them. Number one, you get to go to heaven. And number two, Jesus will answer your prayers. He'll help you with your schoolwork, with problems with your parents, with problems your parents may have. Mm. He's at your beck and call. All you have to do is ask. Mm. So there's two things you get right away. Yeah. Right away. You get Jesus as your forever friend, your mm. best friend, mm. going to help you in every, anything you need, mm. tests, schoolwork, homework. And the best part, when you die, you get to go to heaven mm. for eternity. And then I describe as best I can heaven to them. Yeah. I tell them about video games day and night. <laughs> Fortnite, anytime you want to play it. That's in Revelation what, somewhere, right? Right. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think is good for you mm. is going to be what heaven is. Mm. So let's think about becoming a Christian. Mm. And uh, so that would be my main goal. I love this yeah. church. I love going to church here. Mm. I love the, the sermons, the people who give the sermons. I love the music, and I love the people. Mm. So that- the only thing I would add would be the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. More clear gospel presentations. Yeah. We're looking toward baptisms as a, as a marker and a, and a goal for our church as a whole, right? More baptisms mm-hmm. than burials and, and watching that, those faith decisions. We, um, in the awake service this past week, celebrated the faith commitments that students had made at Forest Home this summer. And there were two students from the program who came forward and one gave a testimony about how, uh, made the decision, grew up Catholic, but it, never stuck for her Mm. until this summer at Forest Home. And this courageous junior in high school got up to the microphone and said, you know, I'm following Jesus now. made this decision at Forest Home, changed my life. And and I do public speaking for a living and think I was more nervous on that morning than she was. She just got up and told it like it was, and it was beautiful. Um, So those decisions are happening. And I think how do we present the gospel more clearly more often and how do we celebrate those decisions when they happen so people hear about them? Because the awake service heard, but... I don't think the sanctuary crowd heard, and we want no, to celebrate I didn't, it there I didn't too. Know about yeah, it. yeah. Um, but that is that is a good word, John. That is a, that is a really good word. Um, so I end this podcast with the same question that I ask everybody, which is, "What is God teaching you lately? What is one thing 
that God has been at work in you? Um, I think one thing is to slow down. Uh, I, I've been You're a really, retired, John. Yeah, I've been a really intense person for most of my life. <laughs> Say more about that. And I don't do anything halfway, Yeah. nothing. How does that intensity so, show up? Well, pretty much, it, pretty much it's like um, the Energizer Bunny is the way I always thought of myself. Yeah. Uh, or the dog that, that, um, that uh, takes its um, jaws and puts it around your cuff or your pants yeah. and won't let go. Okay, you can try kicking that dog off, but yeah. he keeps sticking on your pants. And so I, I feel in some ways that I either need to slow down on my own or God's going to slow me down again. Hmm. Because um, I, do, I sometimes feel that all my um, efforts are too intense. Hmm. And I could, be, I could run at 50% of what I'm doing and still do fine. Hmm. And maybe not come across uh, to people... Kids don't seem to, that doesn't seem to bother kids. But sometimes with adults, it can come across as being too intense, too focused. And um, so I would rather, I'd like to be able to slow down and live a little longer. Hmm. Um, God's teaching you the proper right. speed. Almost everybody in my, in my family has gone to heaven in their 70s. Hmm. So um, my lifespan, if it were the same as most of my family members, isn't much longer. Uh, of course, God knows that I don't, but I would like to live a little longer and not be quite as um, 78 RPM. Only your old, old, older audience will remember this. Yeah. I'd rather be more 33 RPM yeah. than 78. Yeah. So that that's my... Yeah. What is your hope? This isn't a question I sent you ahead of time, but what is your hope for... You know, as you're thinking of this this last chapter of mm -hmm. your life, mm -hmm. what is that legacy that you want to leave? You talked a lot about your mom's legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Not just here at PCOM, but in your life. What do you want people to say? John Mooney was a real evangelizer. Yeah, he didn't. He he um, did ev everything he could to get as many people in his life to know the Lord and get saved and go to heaven when they die. Yeah, to populate heaven and unpopulate hell. Yeah. And it is possible that one person can make a difference. Mm. And I hope to prove that in heaven. Yeah. Um, when I meet some of the people that I help get there. Yeah. And also meet the people that help me get there. Mm. Because somebody had to tell me about Christ more than once mm. to get me saved. And uh, so that's really my number one goal. And I work at it pretty much every day. Yeah. I, I try to... I mean, I don't have any kind of marking system where I'm keeping track, but the Lord just put a flame in me a long time ago yeah. to try to see people saved. Mm. And uh, I'm going to do it until I run out of breath. Mm. I'm tearing up here, John. <laughs> That's a, Thank you. What else could you want from life, you know? What no. a, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I've gotten the opportunity to talk more in depth to folks from our church and seeing the body of Christ at work with Paul talking about giving the gift of evangelism to people and the gift of teaching and the gift of prophecy and the gift of, right? I, I realize that part of what makes PCOM PCOM is this, this breath of gifting and experience. And um, thank you for sharing your gifts of evangelism, of teaching, of loving children, of loving retirees across the street with this church and choosing to serve God here in this place. Grateful for you. You're welcome. This was really a pleasure. And the last thing I would say 
my mom and my brother's college was yours, Wheaton. And when I visited it, I saw a sign that I have never forgotten for the rest of my life. The first sign when you walk in the front of the campus was for Christ and his kingdom. And truly, that's what I want my life to be. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for being with us today on the Pecom Podcast, friends. We look forward to having you back again, where we will share more stories of God at work. Have a story you'd like to share at the Pecom Podcast? Contact Pastor Courtney Ellis at Courtney.ellis at mypecom.com. The Pecom Podcast is a production of Presbyterian Church of the Master. Our web guru is Kevin Reimers. Original music by Jeff Given. Join us Sundays for worship at 9 and 10.45 a.m., where we tell the stories of what God is doing in our midst. Thank you.